punches away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Tonight, I am joined by Kieran Gibson, Chris Waring, and Daniel Friend. Friendy, how's life treating you at the moment, mate? Yeah, going well, thanks, Bo. Um, all things considered. So, yeah, I don't know. Can't complain. How are the other boys doing? Well, yeah, let's check on Chris. Chris, how are things going? Unfortunately, uh, my Cowboys got the better of your Tigers. Uh, I was actually a bit worried there for a little while. They, they put up a good fight. Yeah, it's just everything that can go wrong is going wrong at the moment. But, you know, apart from that, going pretty well. Work's busy. Can't complain. Uh, everything that can go wrong is going wrong. Does that mean that Madge Maguire will be signing on long-term and won't be going to the Bulldogs? Well, um, with this, we'll get to it, but with uh, Mick Potter signing and Bulldogs possibly beating them this week, uh, I mentioned in the group chat that that might just do me as a rugby league fan if that happens. So, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran Gibson, you were amongst the rugby league fans. You went to the Sunday instalment of Magic Round. How was the atmosphere down there? Uh, it was awesome. I was um, seat- seated amongst the, the Raiders and Eels fans for those two games in a row. Um, and that was really, really good, good atmosphere. Um, and then obviously the Cowboys won, which was really nice to top off. Uh, not a great week, but um, ended really well. You get in a fight? <laughs> I, did, I did not. Um, did you abuse a family? <laughs> <laughs> did um did Owen get into a fight because he was there with you? Uh he did get up and do his customary uh doggies. Uh, does the whole <laughs> Orion type thing. But, uh, no fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um that's pretty good areas from Owen to be fair. Shout out to him. Let's go into our wildcard awards. Chris, we might start with you, mate. What's your wildcard award this week? Yeah, so I briefly touched on it before, straight to the point, Gronk of the Week. Um it's going to the in two parts, the obviously the fighting at the magic round that we just saw. You know, you you drink three beers in a in a row too quickly, security guards are all over you, but you start fights in the stands and they're nowhere to be seen. Yep. Um yeah, just put a really bad picture, I think, to Magic Round, which I think should be advertised as obviously, you know, bring your bring your kids, family to, you know, the Festival of Rugby League. I really think they need a um really get on top of that before it starts to develop into, you know, the, you know, it's just a, everyone's getting pissed and everyone's fighting. I really think they should need to stamp that out pretty quick. Second one is, uh, and this is, it was bad to see, but I think the response was pretty good in terms of both public response and response at the ground. Um, the sledging of Jackson Hastings family um, during the game. I was really glad to see that the fan was pretty quickly kicked out. And then mm-hmm. secondly, on top of that, the, um, you know, just Facebook public response, I think, was mostly supportive. I was kind of worried that, like, well, we paid tickets, why can't we, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, I think the public support is behind that in terms of, look, you can't go after a person's family, obviously, um, and they should be, you know, kicked out, if not banned from the ground. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that shit's fucking gross. They can get the hell out of my game as far as I'm concerned. There is a bit of a, a conversation about... How do we stop the fighting, particularly at these sort of all-day event type games where people are just drinking, drinking, drinking? Um, Friendy, I'd like to touch on your thoughts on this for a bit. Is this something that there's there's something that we can do? Because, you know, short of, 
you know, banning alcohol completely, uh, breathalyzers on the way in, things that are a bit more controlling. Um, yeah, like what, what can we do? You can expect people to be decent human beings. Um, much like when I spoke about the refs last week, just expect them to be better. Uh, you, you've just got to expect the crowd. You're in a public uh, forum and you just shouldn't carry on like a dickhead, basically, no matter how many drinks you've had. Um, sure, you can cheer for the team, your team and sort of spray the opposition a little bit, but you don't have to get personal or racist or family involved or, and you don't have to get in a fight. There's nothing saying you have to get in a blue with someone. So, yeah, I, I have no problem with people having as many beers as they want, but just don't be a dickhead. can't be that hard. And, Chris, you did touch on it, the fact that security was very, very slow to act. Um, that's That's got to be looked at for sure, don't you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I agree with friend. I, I don't think, I really think you shouldn't go through down the route of, you know, banning alcohol consumption or anything like that. I think it just needs to be, you know, policed, you know, in a more efficient way. Like, again, the fight break out, it, it disperses and there's not a security guard in sight. I mean, surely that can be better, you know, um, worked around at the ground. Especially when someone's king hitting a bloke in uh, in a sling because because he's one of his arms is cooked. That was Owen Cunningham, by the way, ex uh, Seagull legend. Played one game for Queensland in nineteen ninety six. Kieran, uh, you said the atmosphere was pretty good, so you were down with the the Raiders and the Eels fans. No no trouble in your parts, at least. Uh, so people are. I'm assuming that's a licensed area where people are having drinks and having a good time. So we we really are talking about the minority here, um, but. Yeah, do you sort of echo what Friendy and Chris are saying? Um, yeah, I mean, I had police going up and down. I was there on the Sunday, so I had police going up and down the aisle. Um, we were right next to the aisle, so we had police going up and down, and that was probably as a result of um, Friday. So mm-hmm. they did pick up the slack at least, but I think they probably should have uh, prepared for something like what happened on Friday night. And I actually would um, say that I, I do have a small problem with how much people consume, how much beer or alcohol they consume. Like, um, there was a few guys going up and down the aisle and you looked them in the eye and it did not look like they even knew where they were going. They just, <laughs> all they would have had in their head is I want more alcohol, but they didn't know how they were going to get there. Um, and they, and they just continued to get served. And I've gone to games and I've been in that situation where there's just no way I should have been served anymore. And, and the people just happily take my money. Um, I think that needs to be looked at a little bit more as well. Um, I, and it wouldn't really be that hard. Like, all you have to do is see it in their face whether they should have some more or not. Well, they do have responsible um, service to alcohol as part of what they're doing, right? And part of that is assessing whether somebody's had too much. Uh, that applies in bars and clubs and all that sort of thing. Surely it applies to the footy friendly. Yeah, it certainly should. It's a licensed premises, so RSA would, yeah, I guess supposed to be followed by. Um, but yeah, that's that's up to the the staff, isn't it? Not the patrons. Like, I, I'm not going to knock back a cold beer and say no. I've had too many. I'm ripping in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, suffice to say that I think the kind of crowd that we should be driving away are the people that are there to drink instead of watching football. I think you should be drinking while enjoying the football and i think anyone that takes it to the point that it's going to be violence or verbal aggression of a very unsavory kind then those people as you said earlier should be banned for life no question about it kieran what's your wildcard award this week I've got the playing the offside trap in the wrong sport award which goes to aaron woods <laughs> on saturday evening 
in an intensely close game against the Titans, Woods inexplicably comes off his line way before the play the ball, a tactic often used in soccer to great effect. A pity it left his teammates a man short in defending their line. I, my favorite part of that was definitely, uh, I think it was Warren Smith was the commentator, where he's just like um, talking about the goal line defense. He's just like, the goal line defense, the goal line defense, because, because the goal line defense has just wandered out to the 10 meter line for some reason. I have no idea his, what's going on. His GPS broke. So what was going on? Uh, it was, uh, that was... Absolutely fantastic. Thanks for that one, Kieran. I, I have a choice of a couple of uh, wildcard awards. I want to give a shout out to Adam Reynolds emulating uh, Alfie Langer in the number seven with that chip and chase. But the the, the wildcard that I'm going to go with is the, the sit on my face baby award, which, oh. go, which goes to Cohen Hess. For while he was tackling Stafford, Stafford Tor'a uh, during his game on Sunday evening, uh, he decided he'd just literally sit on his head. Like, he tackled him and then sat on his head for a good solid four or five seconds, looked at the referee to be like, is this a dominant tackle? I don't know. Like, and just sat there for like four or five seconds. Um, it, it's, it was confusing because there was no penalty forthcoming for sitting on the player's head for five seconds. So, I don't know. It was, it was kind of uh, erotic, kind of sexual. It was, it was a nice way to end magic round. It sparked a bit of magic in me, that's for sure. So, the sit on my face baby award goes to Cohen S. I, I have gone, I've gone way off script there. Um, okay. Um, Friendy, what's your wildcard award this week? Oh, I don't know how I can follow that. Sorry, mate. Um, my, no, that's <laughs> it's fantastic. My wildcard award this week is the I don't recall saying good luck, and it goes to uh, Trent Barrett. And much like the <laughs> the Cracker Factory boss, and he says it to uh, Milhouse Van Houten's dad, Kirk, when he <laughs> fires him from the Cracker Factory, he does not wish him good luck at all. And I don't think many of the Bulldog members do. So it's a, basically a members-run club. The board of directors is elected by them, and they had a petition going around to yeah sack Trent, and that they did. Yeah, so is that something that because I being in Brisbane, I don't, I don't know about you, Kieran, but I'm kind of out of the bubble when it comes to all this bulldogs talk. And then I've I've heard people talking about oh yeah, there's been rumblings for a couple of weeks. I haven't heard them apart from obviously the shit performances. Friendy, is there is there? a lot of noise down there about like, you know, leading up to this event that he was pretty cooked amongst the fans. Well, the only reason there has been is because the Tigers have sort of won a couple of games and Fox sports have shifted their focus onto Gus Gould and the Bulldogs. Mm. So it's media driven. I, like it's just whoever's struggling and the Bulldogs are obviously at the bottom of the ladder yet again. And someone had to be, yeah, I guess picked on or the scapegoat or whatever you may think. But um, yeah, Trent's gone. Christy, you agree with that take that it, it probably would have been Madge if not for beating the Eels and the Rabbitohs? Yeah, well, NRL media, I'm not sure if it's the same in um, Queensland, but it's definitely the way in Sydney they, you know, they feast on the blood of fired coaches. And that, that seems to be the, you know, the ever, you know, the the one goal is finally the next coach to be fired. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I fully agree with Friendly's point there. As soon as, like, the Tigers won the two games to just media focus just completely like went off the West Tigers, which I thought was like, you see the Tigers now, they they definitely changed the way they played, but it's not like they're going great guns, but they, they sense that the, the pressure is off Madge a bit. And then they look at obviously Barrett's record speaks for itself. Um, and the way they were going, the performances, especially 
and this is probably a, a point that we might disagree on with the media story with Gus and the training run and then the subsequent events following that. Um, yeah, I think it only really made sense in the end. It was kind of inevitable, I thought. So are you saying that the the fact that we were able to sit there and as, a, as, as the media pin that victory for the Bulldogs on Gould and everything else in the season on Barrett, is that what you're saying has basically written his uh, his payout check? Yeah, and I, I think it was intentional, to be honest, to do that way. Uh, I, I want to make a point that, I, like, I don't like Phil Gould, but I, I know that he knows a lot about football. It's more so his personality and honesty in terms of what he's, how he runs at a certain club. He obviously knows a lot about football, but um, when that story came out, it was just obvious that, well, from now on, like, Trent Barrett's his head coach. Whatever. You, again, I don't. I don't think Trent Barrett's obviously a great head coach. His his record speaks for itself. But you know, it's this guy coaching. He's obviously had what four wins, thirty losses, or whatever the record is. Mm-hmm. Okay, the one time they win, it's because of Phil Gould and the word of God has come down from Belmore Sheds to come <laughs> say, "Hey, play better." It's like the Springfield Isotopes. Like we'll try. <laughs> and okay, so then the Bulldogs lose the next week. Okay. So Phil Good had nothing to do with the team again. So to, if he's football manager, why doesn't he just say that every week and the Bulldogs would win? But he deflects responsibility, puts the failings onto the coach, and then that creates an opportunity for him to have more power in the club. That's just my opinion. Kieran, I definitely want to come to you in a, in a, in a moment, but I know for certain that Friendy is a big Gus Gould devout fan. So I'm going to go to you, Friendy, just for a bit here to maybe offer a counterbalance or possibly agree. Yeah, I, I can see how maybe someone would come to that conclusion or how Chris has, but no, I'm a Gus fan from way back. I, I think he's forgotten more about rugby league than many of us even know. So, um, yeah, I, I can't see him driving an agenda to get Barrett sacked when he was basically standing up for Barrett the whole time. And he also, um, previously, he told Trent to not take the job there anyway. So if he didn't care about Trent Barrett, he wouldn't have said things like that previously. And I guess he sort of went there to actually probably help him. Um, I think Trent leaving is probably just as good for him as it is the Bulldogs. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it was driven personally from Gus. Kieran, how do you read all this? Uh, I don't really like Gus all that much either. Um, I do respect him, but I don't think he would have personally. I don't think he would have driven um, Barrett out. Um, I, I've heard that I actually read today that uh, uh, Gus wanted and even the players and I, I heard the board at one stage want to bear it there for a long time to see this overhaul of their squad um, and see them into a new era that would have been more successful but as Chris has said um, his record speaks for itself I don't think his position was really tenable anymore um, at the club but yeah I find that story as well that Chris touched on that um, uh, Gus planting his magic words in the players' minds and getting them to... I find that story a little bit far-fetched that he planted his words in their head or, or motivated them to win against the Roosters um, and then didn't continue to do it as well. If if he can do it one week, why can't he keep doing it? Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, it make, that does make things a little bit fishy if he did come in um, and then Barrett gets sacked a few weeks later as well. Um, it kind of says that maybe... Uh, Gus didn't actually want him there, but I find it just a, maybe a little bit too far for me to believe uh, 
that he, he drove him out. It's worth mentioning, of course, that Barrett technically quit. Now that's you know that's that's almost certainly not the case if we're if we're yeah. being realistic. Mm. Um, I, I think there was certainly some uh, you know pressure at least saying you know quit or else kind of thing. Um, you know, it's kind of like Ian Healy hanging on to his test cap uh in 1999 when adam gilchrist is right there you know it's like mm, how about you just retire heels like like mm. I, I think um i think there was a little bit of that with trent barrett but what it has done his quitting quote um it's triggered a fair bit of potential player movement that like we've already had brent naden effective immediately moved to the tigers and he's already been named amongst their reserves for this friday against the bulldogs and is fairly likely to play if the late male is to believe to be believed. So Naden's already jumped ship. Jack Hetherington's already agitating because he joined the club to play for Barrett. Uh, Matt Burton's another one who is likely to agitate. Now he's he's not on a huge amount of money for someone of his talent and hasn't got a super long contract. So he may well see out the rest of his contract, but that makes him a free agent in 2024. So uh, you've got a lot of players that they brought in to rebuild this team with Barrett. Now Barrett's gone. There's a lot of movement happening. It might not end with those three. Friendy, aside from all the, the full goldness of it all, is getting rid of Trent Barrett, the coach, the right call with all that considered? Yeah, I think so. His record's pretty pretty ordinary. And just defensively, whether it was at Manly or at Canterbury, his teams do not defend well. They just leak points. So he just, I don't, I don't know, he couldn't seem to fix that across two tenures at two different clubs. And Dean Pay previously had the dogs scrapping for everything, defending. They still couldn't attack, but at mm-hmm. least they were sort of putting in and weren't leaking like a sieve where Trent didn't seem to have that going for him. He also, remember a couple of years ago, and they were saying, oh, Trent Barrett's fingerprints are all over the Panthers' attack and blah, blah, blah. Well, the Panthers' attack is still flying, and the Bulldogs, are their attack's hopeless, basically, apart from a couple of, I don't know, pick up a loose ball and run away with it, things like that. They're, yeah, they're terrible. So I really don't know how good a head coach Trent Barrett is. I'm sure he understands the game really well and could probably get his message across perfectly as an assistant coach. But I just think the overall thing, it's not his go. Chris, that's a, that's a fair call, isn't it? You've already touched on his record as well. Uh, pretty happy. If you're a Bulldogs fan, are you happy to see him gone? Yeah, I think so. Um, like I said, the record is just abysmal, especially compared well, it was brought up before Dean Pay had a better record with a much worse team. And even the way they played the, the game as well, they were just the, the style of football they were playing under Dean Pay was much better. Um, yeah, I think the timing is a bit unfortunate, but I think it's definitely the right decision. It just depends what they do next. But yeah, same thing. Obviously, Barrett's really um, praised in Penrith circles for what he did there as an assistant coach, but in two tenures now, it hasn't worked out at the top level. Kieran, you've already mentioned that you thought that his uh, his stay there was untenable, so I take it that you think it's the right call. But let's not end this little segment on negativity. Let's end it on some sort of positivity, some sort of ray of hope for the Bulldogs, hopefully. Now, let's let's talk about who might be the right fit out there. They've, they've chosen Mick Potter, a, a former Bulldogs player, um, Dalian medalist, in fact, uh, when he was at the Bulldogs in 1984 as a fullback. Um, he's 
uh, you know, he's, he's going to be there for the interim. So that, that might be a good thing. Um, Chris, you, being a Tigers fan, you might have a different opinion on Mick Potter's coaching expertise. Um, but that might depend on this weekend, I'm sure. Yeah, I actually didn't mind Mick Potter at the Tigers. Um, it's just a chaotic period that he was there. It kind of had a um, Robbie Farrow not be the best club person during his tenure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, I wish him all the success just after this next round. <laughs> um, so he, he might not be the head coach rolling into 2023, though. Now, we have already talked about the fact that Dean Pay, while didn't have a lot of success, he also had a dog shit roster with huge salary cap problems. And just as he was about to get some money to be able to attract players, hopefully... <laughs> He then got the sack. So I feel a bit sorry for Dean Pay, but he was somebody that had Bulldogs in him, in his blood. Trent Barrett didn't. Um, and Des Hasler didn't so much either, I don't think. So it's, it's, Kieran, are you thinking moving forward, are there any options that you can see that you think would be a good fit for the head coach role of the Bulldogs? Um, not, uh, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that's available right now, but James Graham said on NRL 360 that he, he thinks that um, they should go for uh, coaches that are currently in a role. And he said he actually said Todd Payton, which I would absolutely hate. Um, <laughs> but if the Bulldogs could do it, I, I think it would be a good idea. I don't want to crow too early about Payton as a coach, but he in the time that he's been at the Cowboys, uh, I'm mates with a lot of um, Cowboys supporters and uh, to be honest, we had no hope for the Cowboys two years ago. We thought we were a club that was going to be in the doldrums for at least three to five years. Um, so any whilst we haven't done anything of great significance just yet, um, what he's done in a short amount of time has really given us a lot of hope and, and just made us excited to, to watch our team. So I think if they could get him, that would be a huge coup. Uh, outside of that, I, I can't really think of anyone. But, yeah, I think you said... Um, Dean Pay is passionate about the Bulldogs. I think that's something that you want your coach to be passionate about the club because I'm quite sure Peyton is passionate about the Cowboys. He had a choice of the Warriors or the Cowboys and I think maybe one other club and he chose the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a time when the Cowboys weren't showing too much. So um, I think it shows uh, if you've got a coach that's passionate about the club, it, it can make a real difference. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. And the Bulldogs particularly are one of those sort of like, we are a family. We are a family club. We've, we've you know, the Hughes uh, siblings and parents all played here, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's like- Andersons. The Andersons, of course, you're dead right. Um, Friendy, uh, do they- do they plump for Chris Anderson? <laughs> or do they do they find do they do they find uh, do they find somebody else? <laughs> no, no, there's more chance of bringing back old Bullfrog Moore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I just don't know who takes the job to be honest. And just on Potter, he he was coaching Mountie, so that's the Bulldogs' feeder side. So they've just pulled their reserve grade coach up to to take the reins. Really, um, I can't see him staying there too long term jeez I, I don't know though um, who's going to take the gig if I was Seraldo, I wouldn't and from all reports he and maybe Jason Riles are next cabs off the rank so yeah if I was those two there's no way I'd take that job um, what about somebody like a Jim Dimmick somebody that's had a little bit of interim mm. experience uh, is a Bulldogs legend um, you know he's, he's served his apprenticeship mm. 20 times over as an assistant uh, do, you, do you think that could work in theory or would you prefer an, an experienced coach well potentially but didn't they didn't he have the gig and then they signed someone 
over him anyway, and that's why he left. I think he's assistant at the Sharks now, um, or he may be elsewhere. But yeah, he he had he was doing an interim job there for them previously, and put his resume in, and they knocked him back. So he might be a bit filthy. I'm not sure. Yeah, Kevin Walters was big enough to to bite that and and still come to the Broncos. So who knows, Chris? Is there anybody that stands out for you? Yeah, not really. It's, it's really hard to tell. You got Shane Flanagan's obviously always, you know, chopping the water for a coaching job just for another version of the um, Clearies from Wish. <laughs> um, I think John Morris is probably a decent shot. Probably a younger coach. Um, maybe time to build. Um, you know, with uh, the club, they have decent signings. Um, there's no. They they still need to fix. Then they're going to get a seven and a one. Um, yeah, it's, it's really hard. Usually there's like at least, you know, a few obvious choices when a coaching vacancy is op- opens up. But, yeah, it's really hard to just, you know, even get down a list of favorites, to be honest, for the Bulldogs at the moment. And that in, therein lies the exact problem that Phil Gould and, and the, the Bulldogs board and members have to confront is the fact that there aren't a lot of fantastic options out there. There are two premiership winning coaches uh, that are free agents, essentially, in the sense that there's Shane Flanagan and Paul Green. So they are options in terms of experienced premiership-winning coaches. There's plenty of very good assistant coaches, like you guys have mentioned. Uh, and, of course, there's a few Bulldogs legends out there, including the one that has just taken the interim role. So it'll be very interesting to see, because in my personal opinion... I think this is one of the most important decisions this club has to make in uh, maybe in the last 20 years. Um, this moment, they have to get this decision right. So I, I wouldn't be rushing, but I, I also wouldn't take too long because you do want to build that roster as well for next season. So, And now it's time for... Phen- Gee, I hate this word. Phenom- phenomenon. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Phenomenal trivia. And this week, we have a bit of a... A change-up. Uh, we didn't have it last week, but in the previous couple of weeks, Friendy, you've been the carryover champion a couple of times. It's just, it's frankly unfair on everybody. So, Friendy, you're going to write the questions this week and host it, if that's okay with you. Yep, ready to go. Awesome. Uh, so, I'll, I'll let you have it. It's all yours. Well, I'll start with the first question, and I've sort of kept the same format as Bo had going, because I think... Um, we sort of all enjoyed that. Firstly, can uh, can I test everyone's buzzers, please? Bo. Bo. Yeah, cool. That's had some cobwebs on it the last few weeks. Um, Chris. <laughs> Chris. Yeah, and Kieran. Kieran. Beautiful. All right. So, so no, first... no, no Ooga Booga this week, Kieran? <laughs> no Ooga Booga. <laughs> <laughs> the first question, guys. Uh, which forward has the most tries this year? Bo. Yes. It's got to be Jeremiah Nanai, doesn't it? Bingo. Well, yes. Man. Well done. <laughs> Phenomenal. So, Bo Lee's 1 0. Two questions. Is it eight tries? Uh, it's seven. Oh, okay. He scored three in one game, and then three he's had a couple five, couple of uh, bombs along the way as well. Yeah, he's doing well. Yes, yes. Aaron Woods must be second. <laughs> <laughs> He was, on his right. way, he was on his way to the trial line, wasn't he? <laughs> Alex Twile, third. Uh, second question. Jason Taumalolo's actual name is Vi Taumalolo. Mm. So on that note, what was the great Dally Messenger's real name? Jeez. Oh. Uh, Bueller. 
Uh, okay, I'll I'll jump in. Bo. Yes. Um, Bo. Charles. Incorrect. Ooh. Do we is, have anyone else? Nah, is there? I'll have to stab at it. Okay. Chris? Daddy. All right, let's see. Dallas. I know it's not it. No, incorrect. <laughs> Kieran, you have a free swing. Oh. I'm just trying to think of the million names that there are and which one it is. Um, <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it's it? not. It's not Muhammad, which is the most common name in the world. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll say Dale. He's not Dale. His name is Herbert Messenger. Ah oh, shit! There you go, old Herbie. You know what? I so, reckon I knew that. Fuck. Yeah, Herbert Henry. They call him Herbert Henry Messenger. Um, and I, I honestly couldn't tell you why they call him Dally, but that's uh, what our biggest award is named after, and it's not even his real name. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, question three. The scores are Bo, one, and the other two, nil. This is the Who Am I? Um, so I'll read it, and as you buzz in, um, you do get a guess. Uh, if you do not guess correctly, you're out, and then the remainder, whoever's remaining, will we'll get to continue with the question. Okay. Who am I? Born 24th of January 1958 in Sydney, New South Wales. Began my rugby league years as a Parramatta junior. In 1978, I moved to the Penrith Club, where in my second game of first grade, I became their youngest ever first grade captain at the raw age of 20. Bo. Yes, Bo. Oh. We've been talking about him. It's got to be Gus. <laughs> yeah. It is the great Philip <laughs> Gus Gould. Yes. Correct. I oh. had to slide him in there. Oh. Uh, congratulations, Bo. You are the winner of Phenomenal Trivia. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, Mick. Thanks, Mick Ennis. <laughs> thanks Brandy that was awesome uh, did a great yeah, job and, and and thanks for that because I, I you know what um, now that I think about it Messenger had a brother and I can't remember his name either that also played a bit of first grade back in the day I don't think it was obviously it wasn't Herbert so I was like maybe I don't know I don't think I knew that so thank would, would you have got that it wasn't Muhammad jeez uh, I I, uh, I don't know but I did know his name wasn't Dally, so I, mm. I probably wouldn't have got the name, but I, but I knew that wasn't his name, yeah. Yeah, we just had to, like, think about, like, okay, what are some 1880s names? Uh, yeah, Jason Taumalolo, uh, his name being Vi, um, I was only reminded of that uh, the other day because something popped up on my feed, and um, the story of that is just ridiculous. He was called... Like his name's Vi, and he's apparently school teacher couldn't pronounce it. Like Vi, it's not hard; it's it's one syllable, champ. Um, so he just called was, him. Um, was Jason Nolan his school teacher? Randomly called him Jason, and now everyone calls him Jason. It's oh, bizarre. Oh, oh, that's that's kind of shit, actually. It reminds me of. Um, uh, the Indian cricketer Chiteshwa Pujara, uh, yeah. he, he went to play in Yorkshire yeah, and they Steve. started calling Steve. And I'm just yeah. like, come on, guys, you can just call him Chet. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come. Anyway, uh, Aaron Mullen and all that aside, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for that piece of trivia, Brendy. Um, I, I quite liked you hosting it, actually. That was nice. We, we should mix it up more often. Let's, uh, let, let's move on to round 11. Now, that starts on Thursday night from McDonald Jones Stadium 
It is the Knights versus the Broncos, and Anthony Milford returns to the NRL against his old club. And there's a bit of that going around recently in terms of, you know, Nick Arima leaving the Warriors, joining the Rabbitohs. Now, Milford is making his NRL return against his old club. Uh, Tyson Frizzell is also returning, and Dan Gagai is a good chance of playing. He's been named amongst the reserves. For the Broncos, Tamari Martin and Adam Reynolds have been named despite carrying injuries. But interestingly, Selwyn Cobbo has been training at fullback this week. Chris, who's going to win and why? I'm going the upset. I think the Knights will win. I just don't trust the Broncos to win um, what, what would it be, five games in a row. They have been flying, but a few niggles around. Um, Newcastle uh, have a few returning. I just sense an upset for some reason. I'm going to go Newcastle. All right. I like that. Do you think Anthony Milford is going to just have a a blinder. It'll be interesting to see how Milford and Ponga play together, actually, don't you think, Chris? Yeah, I think he'll just add a, you know, uh, just another factor of, you know, some creativity, a little bit of spark. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure why. I just have a sense that the Knights will win. I'm feeling the exact same as um, Chris. I've got a, a sense that the Knights are going to win. I'm not sure why either, but I, I've tipped them in the NRL app, so I'm going to keep it on the Knights. All right, friendies, do you share the optimism? No, my spidey sense is not tingling. Well, I just don't think we can score enough points, basically. I think we can compete with them and maybe get it into a bit of a scrap, but we just can't score enough tries, so I'll be tipping Brisbane. Yeah, I too am tipping the Brisbane. It doesn't feel good, but uh, I will go for them. The next game is the Tigers and the Bulldogs from Leichhardt Oval on Friday evening at 6 o'clock. Jake Simpkin and Luke Brooks are out for the Tigers, giving Jock Madden and Jake Little another chance, while Brent Naden has been named amongst the reserves and is a good chance of playing. The Bulldogs, of course, have lost Naden, as we mentioned earlier, in a strange piece of serendipity. Again, another player playing against his old club immediately. It's strange. Uh, while key players Matt Burton and Josh Adokar are apparently sick with the flu, but are still named at this stage, Friendy, who's going to win and why? I'll be tipping the Tigers here purely on the back of Jackson Hastings. I think he's the best player on the field, and I think he'll get his team around the park uh, much better than the Canterbury halves. I also think uh, people always talk about the bounce-back factor when coaches are sacked and everything. That's a that's a fake stat. That's that's not true. It's happened a few times, but it's not a it's not a thing. So yeah, Tigers for me at Leichhardt, and I think Hastings does the job. It's interesting that you call it a fake stat. I guess it's because it's memorable when it happens. Exactly uh, right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Chris, you're a Tigers fan. Do you have some hope here? I'm terrified of this game. I want to tip the Tigers, but, you know, I just have, I feel something, you know. As a Tigers fan, this feeling's familiar. <laughs> Tigers injuries, they've just been decimated. We've got blokes from Balmain bus stop at this point in the back line. <laughs> um, but I will tip the Tigers. Similar point to Friendy. I think Tigers, even last week, they've just, things just haven't been going their way. Um, but I, They've been playing with a bit of resilience, which has been nice to see. To Friendly's point, I think Hastings should have a good game. Like out over Friday night, I'm hoping they get the job done, but I'm not. I'm not completely confident. Yeah, I to echo Chris and uh, Friendy. I really like what I've seen from Hastings. Um, I was obviously as as we've said before. I've said before was at the game on Sunday, and especially in the first half, I was worried about Hastings. There was. A couple of shifts where he was starting on the right-hand side and then he moved over to the left-hand side um, and created an extra uh, attacker. Um, and the Tigers had like a uh, couple of decoys run through and then they were just threw it out the back out, out of shape. And whilst they didn't break the line, they made 20, 30 meters. Well, they did that about three times. And then there was a, a play in, a, I think it was the second half, where 
uh, Jackson Hastings put in a crossfield kick inside his own 10-meter line. Um, so it was very risky, pulled it off easily, and then he put in a second attacking kick mm. once the Tigers ran the length of the field. Yeah, I, he just he plays what he sees, and I think he's really not... Uh, I don't want to use this word too quickly, but I would say he has transformed the, the Tigers' attack uh, in the sense that he's really, like, I, the Tigers had nothing in attack for me before this, and now they really look like they can score points with him in their side. Uh, I've got to tip the Tigers. I would go on the Tigers as well. I'll pay him the compliment of saying that he's playing a bit Thurston-like. He's being very dominant. He's, he's very mature. He's everywhere. Obviously, Thurston at another level, but Hastings is emulating that style, which I think is a big plus. So, yes, the Tigers for me as well. The final game on Friday night is at Combank Stadium. It's the Eels and the Seagulls. Ryan Madison will start at lock, and Josh Schuster returns for the Seagulls on the bench. Now, Tommy Turbo is apparently carrying that injury that he was hobbling around with, uh, but he is named to play at this stage. Friendy, who's going to win and why? Yeah, I think Parramatta will be getting the chockies here. I just think Manly, Tom in particular, they're a bit busted. So I'm going to go with the Parramatta Eels, who have been far more consistent. And Ryan Madison, I think he might be a bit of a bolter, the way Freddie was talking about him for the Blues. So, um, yeah, watch that space. Tell you what, they're looking for a number 14. That's a guy with a bit of versatility Mm. in him. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it could be. uh, I I like that. I rate that. Chris, who's going to win this game? Yeah, I think Parramatta, similar reasons. Uh, Manly just a bit busted up. I, I don't think Tom's 100%. He's still he's still playing decent footy, but you just see him get around the field. You can just tell he's you know trying to manage whatever injury he has. I think Parramatta should bounce. I think I think they should win. And Kieran? Yeah, I've got the heels. Um, I know that. Uh, Mitch Moses has come under the uh, kosh, I guess. I can't think of a better word for for not taking games by the scruff of the neck, which has kind of been uh, his criticism throughout his career. But I, I think against the Roosters, he still pretty much did everything he possibly could have to get them the mm. win. And I think he is starting to mature and become that player. I've got to tip the heels. Yeah, he was super impressive. I, I agree with Friendy about Madison as well. Uh, yeah, eels for me. On Saturday afternoon from Net Strata Jubilee Stadium, the old Cogra, it's the Dragons and the Warriors. Now, Cody Ramsey gets a crack at fullback with Moses and Bai staying at hooker and Tyrell Sloan dropped. Michael Molo will debut from the bench. For the Warriors, they look a lot stronger with Ewan Aitken and Tohu Harris on their edges. Kieran, who's going to win this game and why? Um, so the Dragons are off the back of a, a nail-biting <coughs> 89th minute loss to the Desperate Titans, and they face an equally desperate Warriors who nearly pulled a rabbit out of the hat last week against the Rabbitohs, excuse the pun. <laughs> For mine, the Dragons look a little lost in attack, and I actually liked a lot of what I saw in attack from Sean Johnson backing himself to run it on last last week. It didn't always come off, but it shows he doesn't like the confidence at any time to play what's in front of it, in front of him if there's an opportunity to take um, and I think the Warriors are one of those teams that kind of like off-the-cuff football. Um, yeah, I'm tipping the Warriors. The Warriors do my head in. I'm a massive <laughs> sort of, I don't know, lover of the Warriors, um, even though I don't follow them, but it, but I do like them and, and generally how they play. So I'll be tipping St. George, uh, the St. George Illawarra side, because I just think they're tougher. I think they're mentally tougher. I, I know last week um, they did get beaten in a in a tight affair, but... I don't think they're going to beat themselves and the Warriors just keep bloody doing it. So Dragons for me. Yeah, I actually hate the decision of Cody Ramsey at fullback more so than Ambo back there. Um, <laughs> slowing myself photos of someone. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think uh, I'm going St. George 
mostly because of the form of Ben Hunt. I think he's been in, you know, really great form, to be honest. He's kind of carrying that side at the moment. Similar reasons. I don't trust the Warriors at all. They'll, they look like the worst rugby league team you've ever seen. Then they'll put 20 points on in 20 minutes. You, you just, you know, you can't trust them. I think St. George should win uh, based on the form of Ben Hunt. Dragons for me as well, guys. Yeah, uh, similar reasons for sure. Okay, the next game is the Cowboys and the Storm. It's from 5.30 p.m. at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. The Cowboys remain unchanged. Again, they've been very lucky with injuries, the Cowboys. And the Storm are hoping Jerome Hughes is ready to go. Nelson Asofa Solomona, rather, is out injured. Chris, who's going to win this one and why? This is a really interesting game. I think it's game of the round, to be honest. I think it'll be a really good test for... North Queensland. I was listening to um, Triple M today, and they were saying that I think a lot of people, you know, that even you guys as Cowboys fans, Bo and Kieran, you know, you're still not fully sold on North Queensland yet. And mm-hmm. I think that's um, based on the the quality of opposition that they've come against. I'm not sure. I, I'm kind of I'm on the fence with uh, Melbourne without Jerome Hughes were horrible, to be honest. But I'm going to go to Storm. I just don't see them losing two weeks in a row, but it'll be an interesting game. I'll be tipping Melbourne, um, yeah, purely because they rarely lose two in a row. I think this will be a really good game, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I listened to uh, Cameron Munster's interview right after the game last week after they um, obviously went down to the Panthers, and he said that it was, I think, maybe remembering this wrong, but I'm pretty sure he said he thinks it's the worst loss he's been a part of with Melbourne Storm, and he said he he played terribly. I'm quite scared of Cam Munster this Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he'll really turn up, even without Jerome Hughes. I'm tipping the Storm. I am going to tip the Cowboys, and it will be my bold prediction. That is my bold prediction. The Cowboys will beat the Storm after the Storm got beaten. Because as Freddie says, they rarely go down twice in a row. So, uh, you know, like, you know, yes, bleeding heart, whatever, call me that. But the Cowboys, they're close enough at the moment. So I'm going to tip them. They're at home. And that will be my bold prediction as well. Final game on Saturday is from at the SCG. I think this could be the game of the round. It's the Roosters and the Panthers. Victor Radley is facing an extended stay on the sideline. But Lindsay Collins will return and offset that loss somewhat. The Panthers are unchanged after their blitzing of the understrength storm. Friendy, who's going to win this one and why? I think the Penrith Panthers are the bet of the week. Uh, they they will be winning their full strength. The Roosters defence just leaks way too many points still. I know they beat Parramatta last week. I don't think Parramatta were, were quite at their best. And they still nearly pinched it at the end. So, yeah, Penrith for me. And I think they'll win pretty well. Yeah, I'm kind of tempted to go Roosters. You know, they were, um, for lack of a better word, phenomenal last week. (laughs) I think I'll go with, yeah, I kind of have a thing. I I don't tip against the Panthers. I think it's just stupid not to until they prove a reason otherwise, especially with, you know, full-strength side. I'll I'll go Penrith. Yeah, I have to echo most of what Frenchy said. I'm, I'm tipping the Panthers. Yeah, I'll tip the Panthers as well. I'm pretty high on the Roosters. I tipped them last week against the odds to beat the Eels, but I can't do the same again here. So Panthers for me too. Move to Sunday afternoon. We're at Dubbo, Apex Oval. Uh, It's the Rabbitohs and the Raiders. Jacob Host is out for the Rabbitohs, which means Trent Peoples can now follow up his impressive debut legally now that it's after round 10. They can use development players without needing permission, etc., etc., the Raiders will be buoyed by the return of Jack Whiten, but interestingly, it'll be Matt Frawley who partners him and not Brad Schneider. Friendy, who wins this one and why? 
Well, this was really tough for me. Um, I, I don't think either side is travelling all that great. The Raiders played well on the weekend, but I, I think the Sharks more um, handed in that game rather than the Raiders sort of going out and taking it. Uh, I'll be tipping the Rabbitohs here for not much reason, reason other than I just think they're a better side than Canberra this year. That's about it. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go to upset. I think Canberra should get it done. Uh, should get it done. Uh, South Sydney, you know, they, I don't know, they're, they're just, they're not the same team, obviously. Um, I think White and being back is a massive plus. Um, I think Canberra can build on something from last week. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. Yeah, the Bunnies won last week, but they haven't really built any consistency uh, in their footy, um, tipping the Raiders. All right, very interesting. I'm tipping the Rabbitohs. Uh, I, I agree with Friendy that there's a touch more class there, and I'm worried about having Frawley on the right side uh, with Jack White and on the left, so I just feel like that'll really stunt their attack. The final game of the round is the Titans and the Sharks from Seabus Super Stadium. The Titans are largely unchanged at this stage, but have some returning backs in their reserves that could be returning, like Brian Kelly, Patrick Herbert. Uh, the Sharks will be without Daniel Finucane and Jack Williams. But importantly, Lachlan Miller will debut at fullback to shift Nico Hines back to halfback, which I think is a good idea. Kieran, you, uh, you watched the Sharks last week uh, against the Raiders. Who's going to win this one and why? Um, so the Titans scrapped to a hard win against the Dragons last start, uh, and they really need to win this one again um, after a much maligned season so far uh, to make it two in a row and get continue to get two competition points. Um, they're coming up against a Sharks side that have lost three of their last five and are still without Will Kennedy and Jesse Ramian. Um, despite all of that, I'm going to be tipping the Sharks. Um, I think they're just as desperate as the Titans, but probably have the better team. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, um, to echo your points, I think Hines back at seven is a um, pretty obvious move to make. Dog's going off. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Cronulla Sharks. I think that I think last week was a part of a hiccup of a team that's you know on the the improve. Um, they'll, they'll iron out those you know those off weeks, but I still think they're they're a great side. I think they'll beat the Titans. Yeah, I'll be tripping the Cronulla Sharks. I think Craig Fitzgibbon is a really good coach. I think their side is really disciplined and, and going really well, apart from last week. I think they'll bounce back. Uh, they also had an extra day in the turnaround as well, so um, I think that helps them a little bit when there's this time of year where injuries and nigglings are around. So, yeah, Sharks for me. Yeah, I'll go with the Sharks as well. Just that little bit of extra class in key positions, I think. Let's go to bold predictions. I've already told you mine, the Cowboys to win. Crazy as I might be. Friendy, what is your bold prediction? My bold prediction this week is uh, Reynolds, Hastings, Cleary, and Hines. Between those four, they will score 60 points. 60 points between... Or more. Oh, of course. Uh, so yeah, uh, Reynolds, Hastings, Cleary, and Hines. Nice. Okay. No Chad Townsend? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. <laughs> Chris, what's your bold prediction this week? All right, so in between the St. George and Warriors game and the South Sydney and Canberra game, I'm going to go for a total of more than 60 points. Nice, nice. A bit of a free-flowing football. I like that. Yeah, shoot out the fence around, so I think plenty of tries. <laughs> that's, that's another way to put it, yeah. And, uh, and Kieran, what's your ball prediction? 
Uh, I've got six of the home sides to win this weekend. Six home teams to win, hopefully including the Cowboys for my ball prediction. They could both be happy. Um, let's <laughs> let's uh, let's do some shout outs, guys, before we finish. Friendy, you got anything you want to shout out? My shout out this week goes to the great Gus Gould. Uh, tough times at the Dogs. Go Gussie. Gus sucks. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Up the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.